So several years ago, we decided we needed to upgrade from the soundboard that we had to a, a nicer, newer one. And now, honestly, we're kind of like, this soundboard stinks. But, but this was a long while ago where we were like, we first got it, we're like, this is epic. It was like twice the size of the other one and it had more EQs and monitors and all that kind of techie stuff. And so we were so excited about it. And I remember the first night we set it up, we had the band here playing and they were getting ready for the night and we're in the back and we're EQing. And basically when you EQ, you're trying to get feedback out of each channel. You're trying to help clear up like the vocals, get the guitars, the distortion to sound the right way. And, you know, so I'm, I'm looking at my buddy and we're kind of going through every single instrument, you know, 25 different channels that we have to EQ and there's all different buttons and stuff you have to get right. And so we're going through and I'm like, yo, bro, you know, bring up the, the lows on the kick and we're going through the whole thing. And, and we finish. An hour and a half later, we finish. And we look at each other. We're like, it sounds so much better, man. Thank God for the EQs. It sounds so much better than it did when we took it out of the box. So we're going along. And then all of a sudden, one of us looks down. And we see this little button right by the EQs. And it says EQ in. I'm like, what's EQ in? I don't know what's EQ in. So, so we get the Allen and Heath, you know, owner's manual and open the thing up. And we look, EQ in. EQ in means... This button must be pushed for the EQs to do anything at all in your mix. So we just spent the last hour and a half fine-tuning, combing over the board, every little channel, every little thing. I'd be like, bro, you know, you know, let's get a little bit more distortion on those guitars. And he'd turn the knob and be like, that's it, man. Yeah, you got it. That, that's perfect. You nailed it, bro. And then the vocals, oh, man, there's a little, the mids are a little too much. You know, just cut those a little bit. Oh, so much better, you know. And there we are standing like, Everything we had done for the last hour and a half meant nothing because we hadn't pressed EQ in. That completely bypasses the EQs if you don't press EQ in. And so it sounded exactly like it had when we took it out of the box an hour and a half earlier. Now, here's the thing. Many of us are trying to EQ our lives. We're trying to get certain struggles out. We're trying to cut back on some of the things that we have going on in our lives. And the truth is, guys, is that we're kind of like me and my friend. We're, we're, we're turning knobs, we're tweaking little things, we're changing little things, and, and our thought is, man, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. This is going to sound or look or feel so much better. But the truth is, is a lot of us have kind of missed the magic EQ in button. A lot of us are tweaking, we're trying to change. There's sin struggles, there's habits, there's things we've been stuck in for a long time. Fear, jealousy, pride, lust, doubt, anger, all these different issues. And it's like we're trying to tweak stuff, we're trying to change stuff. But as long as we do it our way, in an ordinary way, we're going to stay exactly like we were. You see, last week we laid the foundation for this series, and the foundation was this, that often we struggle with certain things in our lives, and we often kind of look at these ordinary life issues, and we respond in ordinary ways, and the problem with that is then we get ordinary results, don't we? It's like, oh man, I got a jealousy issue. Well, let me try harder. Okay, I got a fear problem. All right, let me stop that, right? It doesn't work. And so our ordinary reactions lead to ordinary results. But we think, like I said last week, that if we do the ordinary thing enough times, it'll kind of magically turn into extraordinary, right? If I just keep doing this, if I just keep trying to get over my pride, maybe if I do it enough times, it'll lead to an extraordinary result where I'm free from my pride. And what we said last week is this. As long as you respond to ordinary life in ordinary ways, you're going to get ordinary results. But if you introduce an extraordinary solution into the mix, guess what you'll get? An extraordinary result. And here's what we said. Here's what we said. We said the place you find those extraordinary answers are in God's word, right? 
We said that for ordinary life, God's word gives extraordinary answers. So suddenly, I'm taking God's word, and I got my lust problem, my anger problem, my fear problem, my doubt problem, my gossip problem. You're like, wow, Doug's a real sinner. No, I mean, I'm just saying generally, we have all these issues, right? And, I, and I'm, I'm going to look at God's word. I'm going to say, what does his word have to say? Because I could keep on trying to change myself, but maybe God already spoke into this. Maybe God already gave me an answer, and if I would just look and then apply it, and that's huge, guys. Don't just know it, but I would apply what it says about how to overcome fear about how to overcome jealousy, about how to overcome pride, maybe it would work. Maybe I'd end up at Extraordinary. And you know what I would love? I would love, by the end of this series, for our first response to be, when you and I start to struggle with a certain area of our life, I would love our first response to be, what does God's word have to say about this? I need an extraordinary answer. I'm not going to get through this on my own. I'm struggling I've been doing this my whole life, and it hasn't gotten me anywhere. So maybe I need an extraordinary answer. What if that was our first response? I was talking with somebody after the six. We were kind of laughing, saying, man, if you and I just took God's word and actually knew what it said and then applied it to our life, like, I don't think we'd know what to do with ourselves. It'd be like so many of the issues that we have just wouldn't be issues anymore. And so for ordinary life, God's word has extraordinary Answer. So what I want to do tonight and for the next several weeks is take an ordinary life kind of problem and I want to look at God's word and say what is the extraordinary answer that we can find and apply to our life so we'll get extraordinary results. So tonight I want to talk to you guys about jealousy. Jealousy is an everyday ordinary life kind of problem. I think every person in the entire world probably struggles with it in one way or another. Young, old, Christian, not Christian, religious, not religious, You know, everybody struggles with jealousy. You know what else is true about jealousy? We all hate it. We all hate our jealousy. None of us enjoys our jealousy. You know what the Bible says? It actually says that sin is fun for a time. You know what that means? Like, God's not dumb. He knows that if you sleep with someone that's not your spouse, there's an aspect of fun there, but it's for a time. In other words, consequences are going to catch up with you, right? God's not dumb. He knows partying might be fun for a time, and then consequences are going to catch up with you, all right? But you know what? Jealousy has never been fun, right? Like, like none of us are like, I'm just living the dream, man. I'm so jealous, you know? I'm just living it. I know you're jealous of how jealous I am, you know? I'm just, I'm just there. I'm the good, right? In fact, when we find out other people don't have a jealousy struggle, we become jealous of them, right? Because it's just like, I want to be free of this jealousy, right? Because so often what we do is we just look around, right? We look at the, what other people have and we go, I want that. And, and this is so strange, but what we do is we go, I want that, and because they have it and I don't, I'll treat them badly. And that's so weird. Like, that's what we do. That's what jealousy brings out of us. They have what I want. I don't have it, so I'll treat them badly. I'll let them have it. I'll, I'll take my anger out on them. So somebody from work, man, they always, you know, the boss is always saying, oh, you know, this is my guy, and I'm going to go to him, and, you know, he gets paid more than I do. Somebody at school, you know, a certain student, always, always the higher GPA. I mean, I just can't get there, right? Uh, it's on this, the sports field, right? Just, oh, he's so talented, right? So, so I'm going to lash out at him. I'm going to try and make him feel stupid whenever I get a chance. I'm going to talk about him behind his back, try to make him look not as great to others, right? Isn't that so weird how we do it? But isn't that what we all do? Right? Some of us older people in the room, man, they just got a great marriage, man. 
their kids, you know, they seem like their kids are perfect. If I hear another A or another sporting event their kid wins, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be ugly, right? I just, I just can't even handle this anymore, right? And so this is where we arrive. And the truth is, guys, that we have the potential, if we live there and we let jealousy stay in our heart, to make our lives miserable, to make their lives miserable, and listen, this is so important, you're going to see this so powerfully tonight, to actually multiply our jealousy issues, You see, here's the truth about jealousy. When you let it sit in your heart, it doesn't just stay like it is. It multiplies out. It grows. It gets to the point where it can own you. It makes you do crazy things. And so what if God's word has an extraordinary answer? What if we don't have to settle for the ordinary response to jealousy, which usually is lash out at them, even though they have no, there's no reason for me to do that. Or try to control the situation so that people don't think so highly of them and think more highly of me. Or I can control the situation so that I can take what they have so I have it and they don't. What if there is an extraordinary way that makes me free, makes them free, and squashes my jealousy issues? Because the opposite of that is I'm miserable, he's miserable, and my jealousy multiplies and goes through the roof. So we're going to look tonight at a story that's so powerful. You know what, if you're not a follower of Jesus, like I said earlier, you are right here with us. We're so glad that you're at church tonight. You may not know this was a church, it was real loud and lights were flashing, but this is a church and we're really glad that you're here. And you know, here's what I would say to you. Maybe you don't believe in God, but here's something powerful. And this is kind of like the point of this series. If, If God's word, if the Bible, if scripture, whatever you wanna call it, if you open that book up and what it says has power to change your life, then that's got to make you think twice, doesn't it? That's got to make you go, wait a minute, maybe there's something to this God stuff. And what I hope you see tonight is, you know what, you may not leave here going, oh man, I believe Jesus died and rose again for me. I would love for you to leave saying that because he loves you and he did do that for you. But if you leave here tonight unconvinced of that, I hope at the very least you'll say, maybe there's something to this Bible thing. Maybe there's something practical. Maybe I'm even surprised at how practical God's word is when it comes to my ordinary life and where I live every day. So we're going to look at this story that I think is the best example, the best story we could possibly go to. When I talk about jealousy, this is where I always head. And the reason, there's a couple reasons that is. First off, you see the most awesome, extraordinary answer in this story. The second reason, you also see how painful life can be when people decide to do things the ordinary way and avoid the extraordinary answer. So you get the answer, you get God's way, but you also see what a mess people make of their life when they ignore God's way and say, no, I'm going to keep doing the ordinary thing. So we are going to look at some people here that some of you guys may be familiar with. Some of you, this will be a new story, but either way, I think you're going to see something maybe you never saw before in this. So there's this guy named Jacob, and Jacob falls in love with this girl named Rachel, and he makes a deal with Rachel's dad that if he works for his dad, for se- her dad for seven years that he can marry Rachel. And you know what Genesis 29 tells us? All the girls are going to be like, oh. Um, Genesis 29 tells us that Jacob worked those seven years for Rachel, but it only seemed like a few days because he loved her so much. Right? Come on. That's your cue. Thank you. That wasn't a girl. That was creepy. Um, all right. That was definitely DB. Okay. Can we EQ him? Anyway. Um, so Rachel, Jacob are madly in love. They get to the wedding day. Everything's good. The problem is, you know how like they wear the veils, you know, when they come down the aisle. I guess back in the day they didn't 
move those things off their heads during the wedding because what happened was Jacob, Jacob was tricked. You see, Rachel's father, some of you guys know the story, right? Rachel's father actually tricked Jacob into marrying Rachel's sister, Leah, right? And so Jacob, you know, the veil finally comes off and he's like, that's not Rachel, you know? And so what ends up happening is, is he works out that he'll work for the father for another seven years for Rachel. And so he, he marries Rachel and then has to work another seven years. Now let me ask you a question. We got Jacob and we got Leah and Rachel and Jacob's married to both of them. And this is kind of whack. Like we need Dr. Phil pretty badly right now, right? But, but let's just, I don't want anybody tripping over this and being like, yo, this is whack because we're just getting started. This is a very strange story. Um, we have to understand some of it's a cultural difference and a like, time when we live difference. But other of it is this is just what jealousy does. This is what happens when sin is free to just run and take its course. So you have these jealousy issues because the Bible tells us in Genesis 29 that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Now, God, the Bible tells us, saw Leah's sadness and brokenness and he had mercy on her. And he enabled her to conceive and so she had some children. Also, at the same time, Rachel was unable to have children. So you have Rachel jealous of Leah because she can have children. And you have Leah jealous of Rachel because Jacob loves Rachel and not Leah. And this is where we jump into this story. You thought you had problems, right? (laughs) Genesis 30, verse 1. Rachel saw she could not have children for Jacob, and she became jealous of her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. At least she's not dramatic, right? (laughs) But, But we've all been there, right? We've all been there where it's like, I have to have that or I will die. Die. I have to have, if I don't have that, I'm just going to die, right? I have to have that car. I have to have that house. I have to have that job. I have to get in that relationship. I have to have what they have, or I just can't be happy, right? That's, that's so true. I think in a lot of our lives, a lot of the struggles that we have. I think of my kids, right? My little kids do this, you know? Um, uh, be at the park, and it's all about slides and swings and baseballs, and all of a sudden, Ed pulls up in his Mr. Softy truck, and he's got ice cream, right? And, and all the kids go running over to the truck, except mine, right? Because, no, 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 we're not getting Ed's ice cream. Who knows what he put in there? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're, not, we're, not, we're not getting Mr. Softy. We're, we're going we're gonna to keep on playing. We're going to keep on playing. So, but you know what? Nobody is focused on the swings anymore. No one's focused on the slide anymore, right? Because all they want is the ice cream, and it becomes... 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of, I want ice cream, I want ice cream, right? And eventually, probably my daughter Bryn, look up at me. Daddy, I need ice cream or I'm going to die, you know? <laughs> at, which, at which point, I would start crying. Honey, Kelly, Bryn's going to die. She just needs ice cream. Kelly would start crying, you know? We'd look over at Bryn, she'd be sitting there going, oh, no, you didn't, you know? She's got her little six going on 25 routine. But you and I know, don't we? You and I know. What it's like to feel like I must have what they have. I can't live or I can't be happy or I can't be fulfilled until I get that. And you can fill in your own blank right now. Right? What are you thinking about right now? I know what I'm thinking about. I know that there are things in my mind. It's like when I get there, then I can live. Then I can be happy. Then life can go on. But until I get there, I'm just going to be jealous of that person because they have what I don't have. And I'm going to lash out at them even though it's not their fault. Now, what we're about to read is so powerful. And if you can get this, it'll change a lot in your life. Because Jacob says something very, very wise back. He says in verse 2, Jacob became angry with Rachel and asked, Can I take the place of God who has kept you from having children? 
I just want you to think about that for a second. Do you know what Jacob's saying? It's just so powerful. He's connecting some really important dots for us right now. He's saying this. He's saying, Rachel, I know you, you really hate your sister because she can have kids and you can't. But it's not her fault that you can't have kids. Your issue shouldn't be with her. You, you shouldn't be having a conversation with Leah about this because she's not the one who's kept you from having kids. You know, you know what, Rachel? I know you're upset with me, but you know what? I'm not the one that's keeping you from having kids. What does he, what does he say? What, how does he connect the dots? You know what he says? This is so powerful, and it couldn't be more clear in these verses. He says, look, if you have a jealousy issue, if you want to get right down to the root of it, Let's bypass all the, oh, I'm jealous of him because he has, and I'm jealous of her because she has. You know what the root of the issue is? When you have a jealousy issue, you don't have an issue with the person. You know who you have an issue with? God. That's what he's saying. I'm on the place of God. What can I do? What can I do to change the fact that you can't have children right now? Who's kept you from having children? This isn't a really easy answer right here, but stick with me, all right? He's saying, God's the one who's kept you from having children right now. Your issue is not Leah. Why are you treating her like that? Why are you treating me like this? The issue isn't with a person. The issue with, is with God. The conversation you should be having, Rachel, is not with me or your sister. The conversation you need to have, the person you need to work through this with, is God, because that is where the issue lies. My son Landon isn't in full-time school yet, so he gets to hang out with us during the week, and um, there are times we'll do something just because we're out doing stuff that he gets to do that the other kids don't get to. You know, we'll stop at Dunkin' Donuts or something like that, and it's like, Landon, don't tell them we're getting you a donut. You know, it's going to be like crazy when we get home. And he's like, okay, Dad, somehow he has to get it out. Of course it gets out, right? And then, and then what happens? You know what happens, right? Caden Bryn mistreat Landon because he got a donut and they didn't, Right? Of course, you know, their name calling, you know, how could you do this? You betrayed this brother and sisterhood of America. I mean, it's just like, well, this, you know, they'll hit him. I mean, and, and, and if Landon could only think like Jacob could, you know what he would have said? He said, am I in the place of father who's kept you from having a donut? You know, <laughs> like, like the issue is this, you ready? If only Bryn and Kate could understand, they don't have an issue with Landon. It wasn't Landon's fault they didn't get a donut. It was my fault. I was the one that stopped that. I was the one that got in the way of that. They shouldn't mistreat Lennon. How screwed up is it to mistreat Lennon? But that's what you and I do when we're jealous. We don't go to God who ultimately is the one saying, okay, you have this because I'm allowing you to have this and I'm giving it to you or, or you don't because I haven't. No, we take it out on the person. How screwed up is that? What we end up doing is, is we take our disappointment that God hasn't made us like that, we take that out on the people that we wish God had made us like. We take our disappointment out on the people that we wish God had made us like. And so what we do is we, we look at her and we go, I don't get why she has such perfect kids. So I'm gonna gossip about her. And I'm gonna not really be too nice to her. I won't talk to her. I, I won't invite her. I can't believe he got another Pay raise. I can't believe he got another promotion, so I'm going to badmouth him 
next time I get a chance to the boss or to my friends. So at least they don't have any power in this situation. At least they won't think too highly of him. I can't believe he's got that athletic talent. That's ridiculous, man. This guy's good at every sport. I can't believe, you know, Brendan can play like every instrument and he's making ones up and, and, and you know, building them and playing them. It's like unbelievable. Like how can he possibly play another instrument that well, right? It's just on and on and on we go, right? Can I ask you a question? And I know this is uncomfortable, but hang on. Who made you without musical ability if you don't have any? God. Who made you without athletic ability if you don't have any? Well, that's an issue between you and God, isn't it? It's not an issue between you and the God you wish you were. You know, girls, who, who made you without that popular status or whatever it is you might look for? Who is it that made your kids and their kids, the ones you're always, you know, trying to pit against each other and, oh, my kid this and your kid that. And, well, man, you're in the situation you're in and I'm in the situations I'm in because God put me there. And they're in the situations they're in because God put them there. He made them that way. He wired them that way. He wired me this way. And you know what? I mean, for me, you know, personally, if I could just get very transparent with you guys, like the issue in my life where I struggle with this the most would be jealousy of people who have hair. I'm just kidding. Um, it would be, it'd be jealousy, to be honest, of people who, who as pastors look more successful than me. You know, it could be like, wait, they got asked to speak where? They have them, wait, wait, they wrote on Facebook how many people were at the church this past weekend or I've written how many books? Like, I haven't even written, like, a pamphlet yet. You know what I mean? Like, like you know? And, and so, honestly, it can become very, this battle where it's like, they feel successful, and, and, and I'm just me. And, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. This is so, so powerful. If I would just stop with the ordinary route, which could be to just not like them, discredit them as much as I can. Oh, yeah, they have all those people because they're, uh, I don't know, they could probably give them money away or something, you know. I mean, just whatever I can come up with, you know. Oh, they're just watering the message down or, you know, like all the stupid things pastors can say, right? Instead of that, what if I just went to God? What if I, I realized if I have an issue with one of them, that's ridiculous. It's not their fault on me. It's not their fault I don't have what they have. It's not their fault they have what they do have. You see, if I just recognize the issue I have actually is with God, and if I go and I have a conversation with God that goes something like this, God, I gotta tell you, I'm disappointed that I you know, haven't written my first pamphlet yet. God, I'm disappointed that you know, I, 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 we don't have that many people in our church yet. It's frustrating. We work just as hard, but you know, all right. You know, I, I don't get it. You, you know what I think? You know what I think I'd hear back? You know what I think you'll hear back? You know what I think Rachel would have heard back had she had that conversation. I think we'd hear, Doug, Rachel, you're you. I don't need two thems. I need one them and I need one you. I'm writing their story and I'm writing your story. And I know you wish you had that. I know you wish you were that popular, popular and you, you, you had that much influence. You got asked to speak there. And maybe Rachel, you know, I know you wish you had a child, and maybe you guys, you know, I know you wish you were that good out on the field. I know you, you wish you were that good with an instrument in your hand. I know you wish you had grades like him. I know you wish you had a pay grade like him. I know you wish you had kids like them. But I think if you had a conversation with God and you brought those struggles to him, rather than just manipulating and controlling and throwing hate at people, I think what you'd hear back is, I made you, and I'm writing your story, and your story is different than their story. 
So don't hold them responsible for the fact that they have what you want. You see how powerful that is? You see how insane it is to be jealous and act out in a way that's harmful toward others simply because God's given them something he hasn't given us. I think it comes back to just being willing to have an honest conversation with God and say, God, I'm hurt. I'm gonna be real with you. I wish I had that. I pray I'll still have that. But when all is said and done, God, I trust that you're writing my story. And my story is gonna look different than their story. You know, this doesn't mean we give up on dreams. This doesn't mean we just decide, like, oh, they'll just be the successful people and I'll just be plain old me. No, we still go to God. We've got to... I want to see God, God do crazy things in this church. I mean, you already are, but, but even bigger things, man. We have all of Long Island to reach, you know? For you, this is you going, God, I still have a desire to be married. I'm, I've been treating him bad because he's getting married and I'm not. But God, when it all is said and done, I'm not giving up on this. And I'm trusting you'll have this for me at the right time. Whatever your struggle is, you fill in that blank. But your issue isn't with a person, or it shouldn't be anyway. Because your issue ultimately is with God. Now, what would be amazing is if the story were over right here. It would be so awesome. I so wish Rachel took Jacob's advice and realized this is a God issue. But she didn't. Because if she did, it would have been awesome. We would have, you know, just closed it out. We would have talked about, you know, reconciliation and how beautiful these sisters made up and everything was cool and there was no more jealousy and all that. And Andrew could have come up and sang a song about it, you know. He really, you know, jealousy tried to ruin me, but it won't work on me, you know. And, and it would have, we just kept rhyming the word me over and over again, you know. Um, it would have been so great. You would have been crying, you know. It would have been so good. But, but unfortunately, Rachel ruined it because she didn't take his advice. And so what happens in verse 3? Like the very next sentence. I know I just talked for a while. The very next sentence, the response to Jacob going, look, this is an issue between you and God. This is what her response is. She said, here's my servant Bilhah. Sleep with her. She can have children for me, and I can build a family for myself through her. Like what? Did you just hear what he said? You're going to control the situation? You're going to manipulate the situation? Rachel, this is insane. You are going to multiply your jealousy. You're going to multiply your heartache. Verse 4. So she gave him her, her slave Bilhah as his wife, and Jacob slept with her. Bilhah became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Jacob. Rachel said, Now God is judged in my favor. He's heard my prayer, has given me a son. So she named him Dan, which means he judges. Rachel's slave Bilhah became pregnant again and gave birth to a second son for Jacob. Rachel said, I've had a great struggle with my sister, and I've won. So she named him Naphtali, which means my struggle. And we're all looking at this going, you haven't won. You've manipulated. You've made horrible decisions. What, are you kidding me? I just want you to think about this. Rachel started out jealous of who? Leah. Can you only imagine? Now she must also be jealous of her own servant, because her own servant can have children, and she can't. What did she just do? She multiplied her jealousy. Jealousy doesn't just sit in your heart. It multiplies. It grows. Verse 9, when Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her slave Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as his wife. Leah's slave Zilpah gave birth to a son for Jacob. Leah said, I've been lucky. So she called him Gad, which means luck. Leah's slave Zilpah gave birth to her second son for Jacob. Leah said, I've been blessed. Women will call me blessed. So she named her him Asher, which means blessing. So Leah has now retaliated. So just think about this for a second. Leah is jealous of Rachel's servant and her own servant. Rachel is now jealous of her own servant 
Leah and Leah's servant. Multiply the jealousy. Multiply the jealousy. Let's keep it going. Let's keep this rival alive. Let's keep on throwing hate. I'll one-up you. You'll one-up me. It'll escalate and escalate. We'll both be miserable, and we'll keep on multiplying our jealousy out. And somebody's got to talk to Jacob. He's sleeping with everybody. You know, he, he's like, you want me to do what with who? All right, yeah, yeah. This kid needs a beating, right? Verse 14. During the wheat harvest, Reuben went out into the fields and found some mandrakes. Seems very, very, very relevant to the story, doesn't it? He brought them to his mother Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Leah replied, isn't it enough that you took my husband? I know, those are on the same scale, you know, husband's mandrakes. Are you going to take my son's mandrakes? Rachel said, very well. Jacob can go to bed with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. Now, why she did this is because mandrake in Hebrew, and I'm not making this up. I've been joking a lot through the message. This is honest truth. means love plant, okay? And it actually is, was believed to help conception. So Rachel is willing to trade Jacob back if she can get these mandrakes and she can eat them and hopefully it will help her conceive. Dr. Phil, help us, right? Now, the next few verses, Leah has more kids. And then, on, and then I want you to look at verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel. Four really important words. Then God remembered Rachel. God answered her prayer, made it possible for her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Then she said, God's taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph, which means may he give me another, and said, may the Lord give me another son, which God did. He gave her the son, Benjamin. So, what Rachel wanted the whole time, God was going to give her. It was in the story. He was writing it. And rather than just wait, and I understand how hard waiting is. I've waited a lot in my life, still waiting on some things, and It's tough, but do you see the heartache that she caused because of her jealousy? You imagine all the heartache she would have saved herself had she gone to Leah and said, you know what, my issue isn't with you. This is something I gotta work out between me and God. This is something I have to be willing to talk with him about. Now some of you guys are like, Doug, I tell you, you're kind of making... You're kind of making the situation worse because I came in and I was jealous of a certain person, but now I feel kind of mad at God because you're telling me it's God's fault that I am where I am. And you know what I'd say? I think it is God's, not fault, but plan that you are where you are and I am where I am. And I'm not writing my pamphlets or my books. And maybe you're not married yet or maybe you don't have kids yet or maybe you're not getting the best grades or you're the star athlete or you're the funniest person or the best looking in the whole world. But I can tell you that God is writing your story. And I think if Rachel had just waited, if she had decided, I'm not gonna let this thing destroy my relationship with my sister. I'm not gonna control and manipulate and introduce all these other issues I think she would have been so much more free. And I think the same offer is there for you and I. Now what's crazy is, if you know anything about Joseph, the son that was given to Rachel and Jacob, think back, some of you guys grew up in Sunday school, VBS. What was Joseph's whole life marked by? 
the jealousy of his brothers, right? Joseph's entire life, I mean, all that stuff. You know the story if you're in Sunday school, right? Sold as a slave, right? First thrown into a pit, sold into a slave, sold, sold as a slave, uh, taken to Egypt, uh, in jail, you know, served this guy, served that guy, falsely accused. Why, 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 why? Because their brother, his brothers, Leah's kids, were jealous. So, are you seeing that what happened between Rachel and Leah fueled the rivalry and jealousy of even the next generation? Man, what if they had only just handled it God's way? What if they had taken the extraordinary route? What if they decided, I don't want to be miserable, and I don't want you to be miserable, and I don't want my jealousy to multiply? What if they had decided they would do things God's way? What if they decided, rather than fight it out, they would deal, deal with it in their heart between them and God. Because guys, that is the issue. Your jealousy issue has nothing to do with the person you're jealous of. It all has to do with you being dissatisfied and mean being dissatisfied with where I am and how God's made me. And if you can learn, and if I can learn how to rather than kind of throw my jealousy and my anger and my, my dissatisfaction on other people and instead get into a conversation with the one who can do something about it and the one who has me here and the one who's writing my story, then my outcome is going to be very, very different. So what I want you guys to know is that the remedy for jealousy is a conversation with God. The remedy for jealousy is a conversation with God. The word remedy means fix, solution. The remedy, the fix the answer, the extraordinary answer that God has when it comes to the jealousy in your life and mine is that we have a conversation with God because it's him who has us here. It's him who has the power to change that we're here and bring us where we want to get. And the people that we often hold responsible and lash out against and project our jealousy on have nothing to do with the equation. Can you imagine how powerful that would be? Rather than trying to control the fact that you're jealous of somebody, rather than trying to you know, lash out at them, belittle them, make them feel stupid every chance you get, gossip about them, stab them in the back, wouldn't it be powerful to just be free? Wouldn't it be powerful to let them be free and, and you be free and stop multiplying your jealousy issues? You see, I think you need to have at least one conversation. And this, I think, applies to all of us because I think we all struggle with jealousy. I think we need to have the conversation with God that goes, God, I wish I was there. It hurts me that I don't have this yet. And if I'm honest, I've been portraying, or not portraying, but projecting these feelings onto that person that has what I want. And God, first, I just gotta ask you to forgive me. But second, God, I trust that you're writing my story. I trust that I'm me. Yeah, I don't have to be them. And that you have outcomes for me that you don't have for them. And there'll be times for me that maybe others will look at me and say, man, I wish I was where they are. But that ultimately, God, I just gotta know that, man, I can trust you with the writing of my story. There's a second conversation some of you need to have. And this is a hard one. But the second conversation some of you need to have, and you need to let God lead you in this, and I'm not saying everyone has to do this, but let God lead you in this. I think the second conversation some of you has to have to have is with the people that you have lashed out at because of jealousy. 
It's with the people that you have stabbed in the back, that you have hurt, that you have gossiped about, that you have not invited, that you have not included, just simply because you're jealous. You don't want them there. When, you're, when they're there, you don't look as good. And maybe a real hard conversation, but a, an effective one to restore a relationship that was broken simply because you don't have what they have is, you know what, I've, I've treated you badly and I need to ask your forgiveness. I've treated you in a way I never should have because you have something that I don't. And, and I'm, I'm dealing with that with God now. But I'm sorry for holding you responsible for something that you had nothing to do with. And so the truth is, guys, it's not about rivalry. It's not about one-upping. It's not about being able to get where you want to be so then that person will be jealous of you. You're just going to keep on escalating. It's going to get worse and worse and multiplying your jealousy out. But rather, the remedy for jealousy is a conversation with God. I just want to close with a story tonight. There's a little girl named Amy Carmichael, born in Ireland. She had fair skin, and she wanted blue eyes. Blue eyes like all her friends had, like all her family had, but she had these brown eyes that she hated. And she was jealous of everybody around her and jealous of her, especially her little brother, her poor little brother. She took out a lot of her jealousy and anger on him because he had these perfect blue eyes. She just wanted to have those eyes so bad and she had this whole issue. She would plead with God, God, please give me blue eyes. You know, change these brown eyes. I don't like these eyes. And she would literally wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, expecting them to be blue, weren't blue. She was frustrated. She was angry. She would lash out at people because of this. Fast forward many years and Amy knew that God had called her to India. And as Amy is in India, she begins looking around. Do you know what Amy realizes? This is the late 1800s, early 1900s. you know what she realizes? That every single person she's looking at has brown eyes. And when she's there, when she's there, she realizes that the reason she's there, the reason God has her there is so that she can rescue little kids that have been taken and sold into the temple prostitution at the Hindu temples. They would do these horrible religious ritualistic uh, prostitution sacrifice not sacrifices but um rituals and she realized she was there to help get these kids out and what became more and more clear to her was as she dressed up like someone from that area and covered her head and covered her face and covered her skin she realized that she would have stood out like a sore thumb if one thing were true of her she had blue eyes because the only thing you could see when she was in that whole deal was her brown eyes. And her brown eyes let her slip in. Her brown eyes let her have cover. Her brown eyes made her just another face in the crowd and kept her from standing out and enabled her to complete the mission of what she started ended up saving thousands of children out of temple prostitution in India. And you know what I think she learned? I think she learned that her jealousy issues had nothing to do with her brother, had nothing to do with her friends, had nothing to do with the people around her, The remedy for her jealousy was a conversation with God and that God was writing her story and he needed her to have brown eyes and be Amy Carmichael and live a life that nobody else could. And maybe you and I could learn the same thing about us. That the reason we aren't where we wish we were and the reason we're not that person is because God doesn't want you to be that person. He doesn't want you to live that story. He wants you to live your story and he's equipped you to live your story. He's made you to live your story. He's making you to live your story. And so why not trust him? Why not be free? Why not let others be free and stop multiplying our jealousy issues? 
Because there's one conversation you need to have for sure if you have jealousy issues. And that's with the God who's writing your story and has you right where you are today. So the remedy for jealousy is a conversation with God. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your word is so practical and that it meets us right where we live. I thank you, God, that you don't want us to stay stuck in jealousy. You don't want us to stay stuck shaking our fists at other people and, and wishing bad things upon people. God, we, we, we do this. This is what we do. When we repent of it, we ask you to forgive us, God, and change us. We ask you to free us tonight and, and restore friendships and restore relationships with people that we have pushed away because we just simply wish we were like them or had what they had. If you're a follower of Jesus tonight, I want to ask you to let God examine your heart and, and, and that you would even think for a minute, who was coming to mind while I was talking? I mean, I could rattle off a few people that I wish I was more like, that I wish I had what they had. I wish I was as gifted as they are gifted. So who is it for you? Who do you treat badly because of it? Who do you lash out against? Who do you, who do you leave out? Who do you gossip about? Who do you wish would fail so that you could look better? And I think the first conversation and, and the one we all have to have is that conversation with God that says, God, forgive me for lashing out at these people. And God, now I gotta deal with where I am with you. I gotta, I gotta get around the fact that God, you have a story for me to live. You have a plan for me to live. And I'm here not by accident, but on purpose. And so would you spend time doing that right now? And if you need to have that second conversation, I would encourage you to do it. If you need to pull somebody aside and say, man, I am so sorry that I've treated you like I have, that I've left our friendship, that I have decided to turn my back on you, or that I'm sorry I gossiped about you, or I'm sorry I ever, you know, let this get to this level, but I want to stop it now. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you know what? I would encourage you to try this. This may be your first prayer. You may still not even believe in God. But what if this worked? What if when you brought your jealousy issues to God and you said, all right, I'm gonna treat this not as an issue with me and the person I'm jealous of, but as an issue that I've got to begin to trust that maybe if there's a God, he's got a purpose for my life. And maybe that's the starting point for you. And maybe, just maybe, if you see that begin to work over time, that'll be a way you can know that there's a God and he loves you. And he loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you and rose again so that you could know life and freedom and an eternity with him. So maybe you're not ready to commit to that tonight, but maybe you would at least say, you know what? I'll try and, I'll try and tackle jealousy like this. I'll try this idea that the remedy for jealousy is a conversation with God. I'm not sure that he's there, but I'm willing to try it. I hope you'd be willing to say that tonight. And if further you're ready tonight to, to really come into a relationship with Jesus, then I want to give you a chance to do just that. Maybe something that was sung tonight just hit you and you realize God loves you and that he, he wants to free you from guilt and shame and sin and all that and you just want to know him and you want him as a savior, then I would encourage you to pray something like this just quietly in your heart. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you that you died on the cross in my place and that you want to take away my sin and my guilt. Would you now be my savior? And would you let me see how real you are? 
And would you help me see the power of doing things your way? Amen.